Яблодлый жилет Ты все парни одеты стильно В квартире нету места И так много красивых Welcome to the 9642 podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9, and this is the phone. Ночка будет долгой, ну что за стиль, ну что за стиль или наука не качает музло, если нам не нравишься, подруга. У нас на паузу никак не тянется рука. Заработал 30к, это стиль паука. Welcome everyone to our long awaited live stream end of season finale we have a lot of stuff to talk to you about i think um we'll just keep talking likely. until people leave basically that's the plan right pretty much yeah either that or it becomes way too late and children start <laughs> waking up in the middle of the night because it's the thing they do yes yes that's that's i think If the children start waking up, that is a time to stop the podcast. I'm yeah. sorry, listeners, if that's too short for you, but that's <laughs> our hard end. That's the hard end. Fast rule. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to go down on what we want, what we plan to talk about, or at least planned to talk about? Sure, yes. Um, I think the plan is we'll start with the cricket and the greatness that is the um, Test Championship win by the Black Caps. And then we'll start talking some football. So we've got Euros, Copa de America, um, review of the season just been for the EPL, and a little bit of transfer future looks. Yeah. And also, not nothing to forget, by the end we can announce the winners of the Fantasy Football EPL leagues, both the Standard League and the Draft League. Yeah. We'll do that nicely near the end. And then we can have some um, viewer feedback if people are still listening. Cool, cool. So, uh, basically, let's start off with the cricket. Our first, uh, obviously, what, how good is it that we finally have an ICC World Championship? So good, uh, so good. I think it... <laughs> I think I agree with Ross Taylor, which was when asked about it, it was like it wipes away some of the memory. You know, it makes up for the memories of 2019. Like, I it think really does. a little bit. Little like bit. I think you, we all accept 2015. We were very. I think New Zealand were the best team in the tournament, but mm. the finals, Australia, very were much the better team. Yeah, yeah. I think that was. And they beat us fair and square. No complaints there. Yeah, no. 2015 definitely was one of those ones of you have to lose a. Lose a cup, lose a final to win a final, sort of feeling. Where it was, yeah. you know, first time we've been in the world in the World Cup final, and it just really felt like it just was one of those things. Australia, you say, was much better on the day. Yeah, yeah. we may be able to reminisce about what what might have happened if Baz had decided this to be a bit more circumstance in the first over. But at the same point, if he'd connected on one of his shots, you know, where might have we been? But- If the shot that he got out to had gone out of the ground for six, it would have been a completely different game. I can't yeah. blame Brendan McCollum for playing the way that led us to the finals. No, exactly. Like, I, I've got no issues with it. You know, we wouldn't be in the finals if it wasn't for him. So, yeah, exactly. You know, him, um, obviously, there were some great performances in that semifinals, not just him. There was, like, Grant Elliott and... I think our bowlers all did a really good job yeah, yeah, as yeah. well to restrict South Africa in that game. 
Um, obviously, the rain helped too. Yeah, <laughs> as it does to the team batting second often. <laughs> um, some poor um, South African fielding also sort of helped a little. Um, bit. really poor South African fielding. I yeah. agree with that. Uh, there was a few drop. Ca- I could, from memory, because we were at the game live. I ca- I remember at least three drop catches. The one that, that sticks out to uh, me is. In like the, when the game was tight, you know what I mean. Yeah. Not beginning, but like when it was tight, there were like three drop catches. Yeah, yeah. At least that, I remember say the one that stands out to me is remembering right near the end with the one that sort of just dropped between two of them that stood and looked at each yeah. other right down in yeah. front of us. Like, yeah, yeah. It just we knew that. I think we kind of knew from then that that moment, like, yeah, it wasn't going to be South Africa's night. No, the curse uh, was continuing. Yeah. Um. But let's stick to the finals. I think mm. New Zealand, this was going to be New Zealand's best opportunity to win the World Test Championship because yeah. we look like to have a pretty tough schedule coming up and we will look into it. Um, the tough ones were playing Australia away and obviously playing India at home. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I thought we had basically forfeited any opportunity to make the finals when we drew the series against Sri Lanka. Uh, losing that first test match. Yeah. Um, uh, coming back to win was a good performance, but that Sri Lanka team, I don't think, won any series in the tournament. So, it like, you know, New Zealand underperformed there, especially because I think New Zealand had won a couple of series in Sri Lanka before that. Yeah. So, so they... Uh, uh, that was an opportunity, obviously, managing to be, win... Uh, they needed to would then win all their games at home to have a chance, and they did. Um, yeah, yeah. They lost every single game to Australia, which was unfortunate. Like I was hoping to at least get a draw there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to get some points, um, and we don't know what would have happened in the tour of Bangladesh. The last time New Zealand toured Bangladesh was 2013, when it was a drawn series. But I think we can both agree both teams were completely different back in 2013. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. And like Bangladesh are a team that have beaten Australia at home and England at home in that time. So New Zealand are not necessarily guaranteed like to win all those games. No, no. Definitely not. Uh, not that it was impossible for them to do that. Um what, who obviously I think everyone for New Zealand player of the tournament was Kane Williamson. Just so many key knocks at the yeah, right yeah. moment. If the if the World Chess Championships has a rookie of the you know rookie of the tournament, because in the, the first player player to make their test debut in this tournament, um, it, it has to be Carl Jamieson, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he took control. Um, basically of the end of New Zealand's um, campaign, for lack of a better word for it, um, and really, you know, stamped his mark and, and through the and in the final as well, he really showed his authority and showed that he's going to be a, a great a great all-rounder for us, really, but definitely a great yeah. bowler. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Like, he, he's come to age in the Test Championship, came up in it, and he, he's really showing his... Um, everything there so that's yeah not really a lot of arguments for that but agreed and i think the um and the player of the tournament like not new zealand uh 
It's very hard to look past Ravi Ashwin, right? Highest wicket taker, and he scored two centuries in the tournament, and I think two yeah. key centuries that helped save games for India. Yeah, yeah. To it's... get them into the final, and I think it's would be remiss if we didn't, uh, uh, like actually pay tribute to how well India played in that tournament. Like, winning a oh, series different. in Australia, winning a series in South Africa. The, I don't think an Indian team had won a series in South Africa before, so that was incredible. Um, obviously, winning in the West Indies, we expect India to do that. And while they did lose at New Zealand, they um, beat England at home and yeah. everyone else that came to play them at home. So... Oh, no. uh, India was a very good side the whole whole tournament. So yeah, yep. Like, and I think if if the Indian players had batted a bit more aggressively in that second innings when the uh, because the uh, I think the uh, the the pitch showed after Pujara got out that it was going to be very difficult to bat time. Yeah. I I thought Pujara's been slightly out of form, um, and even Kohli's been slightly out of form. But if batting time was going to be difficult, you should have uh, the players if they batted a bit more aggressively, like maybe not as aggressive as Rishabh Pant. Only Rishabh Pant can do Rishabh Pant yeah, yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, did a good attempt oh, at a. Nyquist has entered the chat. By the way, shout yes. out. Yay, Nyquist! Nice to see you. And yes, yeah, so as I was saying, Lusha Pant almost won the game for India. And, like, and I mentioned that before the toss that I, like Kane Williamson in the end won out, and I, I should know better than uh, better than to question Kane's tactics because there's lots of times, as you know, that I disagree with his decisions, like toss and lineup, yeah, not yeah. taking winners and all these other things. Uh, but it works. He just somehow ends up reading the pitch. And yeah. like the timing correctly. Strangely, uh, he's some sort of you know cricketing master, who's who's like he's really like, good at the game or something. Well, I think of the big four, right? Like there's Virat, Co- Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, uh, the Joe Root, Joe Root and uh, Kane Williamson. Mm. I think let's forget anything on the off field. Steve Smith is the best player. Uh, best uh, batsman of them, like at test level. Yeah, he yeah. just gets the runs and he just... Uh, if we're going to co- count all three formats, Virat Kohli is the best batsman of the of those four in, in the four in the three formats. Yeah. Um, Joe Root, just because he does all the... Uh, he has to be the guy for England. It's a bit different because he is literally the guy. There is no... It feels like this England team, there's not much support for him. If he, And if he doesn't score a lot of runs, England lose. Yeah, especially without Stokes and the team. Yeah, yeah. And But of all four of them, I think Kane Williamson is the best captain. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from Virat Kohli's leadership, but Virat Kohli is very much the Brendan McCollum-style leadership. He's the talismanic leader. When he's yeah. gunning for it and he's got the... You know, and he's up tempo. The team just—they'll run through walls. You're, you know, cricketers say they ran through walls for Brendan and McCollum. I don't think people want to run through walls for Kane Williamson, but they also have the the opposite where they're like, "Oh yeah, Skip's got it. I can play my natural game." They feel yeah. safe. Yeah, I think I'm 
that's pretty much what Brendan McCullum had to say as well. I was reading a, a before the final, I think it was, or during the final, the um, Crick Info had put out some, some articles. And one of them was on sort of the history of New Zealand, recent history of New Zealand cricket. So sort of Brendan McCullum's time and how he evolved the team. Um, yeah. And you know, how everything was quite chaotic when he started. And the way he yeah, started well, was chaotic. Well, we all remember that, right? Yeah. But this... he's... But his, he'd said something like that as well, which was pretty much, he felt happy, he thought that Kane was a much better captain than him, and that he was a better, that people, that Kane was the right person to take the team to the next level. Like, he could, Brendan yeah. was like, I couldn't do what Kane's done, like, for the team. There's no, yeah. under my leadership, we would not have got to where we got to. Only under Kane but could we have got there, because of the I type agree. of leader that Kane is. But conversely, I think Kane Williamson wouldn't have been able to do what Brendan McCollum's done yeah, for yeah. New Zealand cricket. Like that culture change needed a real leader yeah. who was like who had the you know heart and soul of the team. Like everyone, like Brendan, like Daniel Vittori was that sort of leader, but he doesn't have that personality to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. Do that. Uh, whereas um, the. Uh, uh, whereas player uh, uh, and Ro- Ross Taylor is similar. Uh, shout out Nimrock, thank you for joining. Oh, Nimrock's here! Yay! And the uh, uh, once uh, uh, Brendan McCullum with the rest of the team, and he's always uh, goes out of his way to point out that the rest of the team had as much of a say in deciding what that New Zealand cricket culture would be, and it took yeah. a few years for them to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once they'd done it, the it was right for Kane to take that team over. I think because yeah. he is tactically the best captain, I think in the world. Like he yeah. just reads pitches, reads bowlers, just knows how teammates are gonna, what you know, which which teammates are on form, what they want, what they need. Yeah, and I think the way um oh you disappeared. That's less than ideal, Mister Number Nine. You went to the wrong one. <laughs> Put you back as a speaker. Hopefully helpful. Oh, I was sorry. going. That's okay. That's, sorry, as I was saying, like, places. Uh, Kane Williamson is like a cricket savant. He just knows the tactics and strategy to employ, and that's yeah. uh, and that's he's the right person as shown to lead yeah. the team. And, and at, I think similarly, like India were at the stage where uh, they probably needed a Virat Kohli type leader. Like yeah, they're yeah. all good. Nobody needs confidence. They don't need, like I think when MS Dhoni took over, they needed a captain who was kind of solid and like, you know, you could rely on him to finish things. Yeah. If yeah. you were, and like, I don't think there's been very few cricket captains as good as MS Dhoni. So no. I, I think it's a very hard ask for Virat Kohli to be expected to replicate what he's done. But Kohli's also done some amazing things for Indian cricket. I think he's been getting a lot of criticism from India fans that he doesn't perform well in ICC tournaments. And there is an added criticism that he's been the captain of the Royal Challengers Bangalore for ages. And the, yeah. and the RCB are one of the few franchises in... And he's been at the RCB since he was like, you know... In the first season, he's been there every season of the IPL, not as a captain always, but you know, from the beginning. And they yeah. have not won a single title, and for, like a lot of times, they've had some of the best teams in yeah. the IPL. 
Um, so there is a perception that people like Rohit Sharma and Jinka Rehane are better skippers. So it doesn't help. And I think it also doesn't help that, you know, the last guy to do it, MS Dhoni, like, captained India to the T20 World, the first ever T20 World Cup. And he, you know, they were uh, defending a lead against Pakistan. And we all know how difficult it is to defend a lead in yeah. T20. And it was a 150 that they were defending. Um, and while there were some great performances, we found Patan getting four overs for four runs. Incredible. That like, is and incredible. three wickets. That's crazy. uh, um, We can't take anything away from his captaincy. And then in the 1983 World Cup, while Kapil Dev took the catch, the fantastic catch that got Viv Richards out, arguably the most important catch in the history of of cricket ever. Yeah. Because that would have changed the history of cricket if he had dropped that catch or not taken, you know, or if it had gone over him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Into the boundary, and he would, that would have basically been a third World Cup for West Indies, and everything would have been different. Um, so he's up against history, unfortunately. <laughs> and of course, MS oh, Dhoni yeah, scored yeah. that match winning 90 in the 2011 World Cup, chasing yeah, yeah, yeah. 280, which was also an incredible uh, knock. Yeah, exactly. No, he's so you... history for Coley is not really. Yeah, it's not On kind. He's not kind. back to follow. Yeah. But um the same point, he's I think he is doing it a bit his own way as well, which is yes. sort of the way you have to do it. There's no point, I think you said, him trying to follow Dhoni or anybody else and trying to be the next yeah. someone. He's gotta be the first Coley. Yeah, and I think the Indian team need an alpha dog leader like Virat Kohli. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's their spiritual leader anyway. He may as well be the captain. Yeah. Like, that was the weird thing when they made Ross Taylor the captain. I think we all kind of felt like Brendan McCollum was their leader anyway. Yeah. Like, is that wrong? Like, I feel like that. Like he was always like a leader, even when Vittori... Vittori was like the most powerful person in New Zealand cricket for a while because he was captain and coach, effectively. Yeah, effectively and the yeah. selector. Like, and he did everything and including he was he was also the best player in the team yeah um and then like basically the second best player in the team was in many ways brendan mccullum yeah and when they yeah when they changed like it was it was a chromium uh like there was a lot of hate for brendan mccullum when the coup happened Right? Yeah, well, Is it unfair to call it a coup? Because it pretty much was, right? Well, it wasn't really a coup because it was the coach that was doing it and the manager team, you know, the team managers and stuff. They just changed their mind about who they wanted as captain. Um, so it's hard to call it a coup when it's the ruling elites that are puppeting up one and then pu- and going, actually, we're changing our puppet. We need this person over here now. Um, you know, it wasn't a change of, of anything massive um but i guess it was the coup beforehand but there was if i remember correctly there was a change of coach and managerial direction after the player revolt of the vittori years and they struggled to find a coach to to get there and then they got um hessen right so and 
and here's some light McCullum. That was the thing. But he sort of got in and he had was given the old team, which Ross Taylor was the was the new captain for it. Um, and I think Hesson just decided it was easier to do the the quick cut and just like yeah. get it off, don't try and bleed this out. Just I think cut it off, change it. Tried to give Ross Taylor a go as captain and work a relationship with him. He just yeah. felt like he was gonna get better results with McCullum. Yeah, like it was, um, it was clearly just not going to work, and he was like, and it initially looked bad because obviously they had a really bad tour of South Africa. Yeah, though, and without Ross Taylor, they lost those matches horribly. Yeah. Though, um, that was also what that was the article was talking about was that especially the first test against Africa and the first innings where they were all out for was fifty six, fifty seven, and yeah. that was that night that Hessen and McCullum forged what they wanted. The black caps to be. They decided like we, we, you know, what we've been doing is wrong, and there's no yeah. point trying to be whatever we were trying to be. We're still trying to be Australia or something like. It's, it's time to stop. Yeah. Apparently, they talked all night. Them and a few others joined in and just like, what do we want black caps to be? It's interesting to me that both Australia and New Zealand in the in the last decade, had to, had like these culture-changing matches in South Africa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they came away very differently to each other. And, that, and that's the way it should be. Because Australia shouldn't try to be New Zealand, and New Zealand clearly shouldn't try to be Australia. You know, like, that is what history showed. Like, you can... Uh, they can only be the sort of teams they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other... Uh, thing is like i don't ross taylor is always like i said he's a uh, he's one of those guys who's a leader by example not a leader and he's probably a very good tactician as well yeah uh maybe not as good as kane but still i think a very good tactician and i think the players respect him yeah but he's not that leader that talismanic leader yeah yeah. yeah. and there are times when a your team needs a call and like i feel like in many ways and the whole captain and coach thing like i thought about it a bit in many ways i think the captain in cricket is like the quarterback in an nfl team yeah like obviously the captain also has to bat right yeah. uh, so this would be like a quarterback who also had to play defense but he's basically <laughs> the coach's guy in the middle he decides what to do he has the final say if they're going to have an audible and change plans like and even more so because the captain really just does what a coach in nfl does in the middle of the field right he's a yeah. quarterback plus coach together yeah 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 and he helps set the fields he sets the bowlers up and says yep you do this you do that and like yeah um, he's basically like a second coach, yeah, a second no team, a second a second coach on the field, uh, along with the uh, along with the responsibilities of like a quarterback in NFL. And yeah. he, the cap, and if your manager doesn't quite have that stick with you, and they'd rather have someone else, like it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think also that was probably the bigger thing. The bigger change with the McCullum and Hesson era was getting that dynamic between the coach and the captain um, yeah. better. Because clearly in the years leading up to that, it had sort of crumbled away. Um, and the Vittori era was perhaps not taking away Vittori as a player coach or anything. Um, 
but that relationship between the players, especially the captain and the coach, had sort of deteriorated to the point where there yeah. was just a massive, you know, player revolt, basically. Was yeah. Probably the better way to put it. And yeah, that sort of. And I think a lot of credit should go to Daniel Vittori. That situation could have ended up much worse than oh, yeah, it no. did. Yeah, if yeah. it wasn't for someone like him being in charge. Um, like, that would have been the wrong situation for Brendan McCollum to be in at that stage of his life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In career. Victoria um, I mean, yeah. was the only one at that point that could lead it on. But, yeah. And I think Mike Hessen, you have to kind of uh, realize, he's one of the few coaches of the New Zealand cricket team this century to have left on his own terms. Like, he left. He didn't get kicked out or anything like that. He no. was like, I think since Steve Rickson, he's the last coach to have just been like, yep, I've done my time. I think the next guy should take over and like, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. come on. I've like implemented all my ideas. I don't have anything new to provide here. Yeah, exactly. And Which is, yeah, sort of crazy to think about a little bit, but is completely true. So. The steady, uh, it's the steady ship, uh, Kane Williamson with Gary Stead, who's probably the steadiest person in New Zealand cricket. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the other point. Both Hessen and Gary Stead are basically life career coaches. I know Gary Stead was Canterbury captain when they were, you know, very successful Canterbury team, and he also played for the Black Caps. But he was like ugh, the head of Canterbury High Performance Sports at 23. So he was already oh, a professional yeah. coach while playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's crazy. And but that's because New Zealand players weren't really getting paid, and that's why they had to have that strike in 2002. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a good reason why it all happened. Yeah. In several times. Uh, that being said, let's focus a bit more on the game. Um, do you think if India had another 40, 50 runs, uh, that Ashwin could have made the game close, even win it for them? I feel like 40, 50 runs is basically the point where it gets close. Yeah, I think that you needed they needed that to make it, you say, make it a close game to be able to um, yeah. make New there Zealand have to work There were a couple of drop catches as well, yeah, yeah. so let's point that out. There could have been a couple more wickets in there, and if Ravi is getting it to turn, then it could have, you know, that whole not picking a spinner thing. Not that New Zealand could have used the spinner <laughs> to get the wickets, so that's another point. Yeah. No, I think you're right. A few more runs, you know, say 40, 50 more runs makes New Zealand have to sweat it, um, yeah. which makes it more difficult as well, makes the turning pitch um, even more dangerous because. Um, you're trying to bat something out or trying to defend a bit as well and feeling the pressure and feeling like well, you've got to try and chase the game and trying to push things along and behind any run weights you might be. I think it with the um, target that New Zealand had, it was fairly easy for them to sort of not have to rush themselves and not push and just sort of which meant that when Ross and, and Kane came together, they had a much easier time of it because they had their experience and they could see themselves through. But yeah, you add an extra 40, 50 runs onto that and suddenly it becomes a lot more difficult and they can't, they have to push the run rate along a bit. Yeah. Which means there's the opportunity for more wickets, which means you get a couple more wickets in there and suddenly, suddenly everything starts to fall apart a bit. So. Absolutely. 
And that's the scary part. Like, those, those are the classic test matches, right? But those yeah. are the scary parts. So, now, when we were looking at individual performances of players, like, I think you and I agree, player of the tournament, Ravi Ashvin. Yeah, yeah. There is a strong competition for rookie of the rookie of the you know rookie uh, best rookie because Marnus Labashane is the highest run scorer in the tournament 106 oh, yeah. 1675 runs in 13 games. Oh yeah. I think and uh, five centuries and 950s. Definitely nothing to sneer at there. No, no, that's yeah. Not gonna. Uh, you could almost have them share it, but yeah, I think maybe Marnus because he's had the thirteen games. That's like over a longer period of the tournament, basically, and performing uh, at that high level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but Carl Jameson definitely up there. Yeah. Um, Forty-three I mean, wickets in seven games, like incredible. Yeah. That's an average of twelve point five three. Oh, that in- is crazy. In the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's some good numbers, really. I mean, both of them. Yeah, uh, both of just... them. I think you could give them joint joint Rookies yeah. of the Year awards. Yeah, yeah. New Maybe. or new player of the year, of the season. Of the tournament, yeah. It's a bit hard because of the length of the tournament. So they say you sort of had Lepreshain coming in at the beginning, sort of having most of the... The yeah. tournament, but he came in as a substitute sort of... as well. So yeah, yeah, I remember he came in as a concussion substitute. So that's yeah, yeah. also like an incredible way to make your debut. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we can obviously give Manish Labashain batsman of the tournament. Like, oh yeah, easily. I mean, he's scored the most runs, as you say, lots of centuries, yeah. solid knocks. That, yeah, Average is That that's also very good. So. Yeah. Um, highest score, individual score of the tournament is by David Warner, 335 against Pakistan and oh, nice. Adelaide. Yeah. Nice knock from him. And the uh, highest wicket taker of the tournament is Ravi Ashwin, to the mm. surprise of no one. And I think a good shout for best bowler of the tournament as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bowling average of 20.33. Yes, Ashwin is just so consistently good. Oh, just... yeah. It's crazy how good he is, really. Uh, I have no idea what Sanjay Mandraker is on about when he keeps complaining about his performances. Like, get <laughs> off it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> They're not good enough, damn it. He could be better. <laughs> yeah. Um... So that was a good time probably to look ahead into the upcoming uh, fixtures. So the fixture list is out. The very first series of the uh, World Test Championship 2 between 2021 and 2023 is going to be England's home series against India where they play five tests. It should be heaps of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, should be well fought out. England have uh, both India, New Zealand and South Africa at home. Um, and they play Australia, West Indies, and Pakistan away. Um, I don't want to, like, give you all... There's a bunch of uh, British listeners uh, listening to our podcast and our loyal subscribers, but that's a very tough schedule, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah. It is a very tough one. Um, so they they don't play Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. They play everyone else. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff to say. Being away to Australia. 
even away yeah. to Pakistan and West Indies is not a an easy thing place to go to oh, and Pakistan, get a serious win. Pakistan, whether you're playing in Pakistan or in the Gulf, yeah, UAE is going to be. Uh, England have won in Pakistan uh, in the UAE before, so I'm Pakistan can't take that for granted. I expect England to beat the West Indies, but the West Indies managed to sneak a wi- Test match winning in England in the te- well, World that, Test Championships. I expect them so, to win as well, but the difference is is with how well they can win. Like yeah, and of, a, of a the two um, Test series. Yeah, so I'm thinking of the the overall thing, like having to win both those matches to get full points out of that series. That's uh, it's a bit more tougher to keep I, themselves in the I hunt. agree. Like, do anybody think England are going to win the Ashes? Like, as much as I would like them to in Australia later this year, it, fe- it feels very unlikely to me. It does feel unlikely. Um, I mean, maybe the, the tour, or India's tour of England will show where England's at, but... Based on yeah. the games that they play against New Zealand, which I realise is like a C-string team almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't give them a lot of lot of chance in in Australia. At batting, like I think they have a very good bowling lineup, yeah, yeah. and I think they have a good fielding team. Um, but that batting just doesn't look strong to me. No, and it's I don't very think any as much as people talk about that C-string team, I don't see any other batters coming in other than Stokes and maybe yeah. Bearstow. Yeah, yeah. But they're not top order no. players. That's bolstering your middle middle order and middle order it's yeah. sort of your tail, but yeah. like you you've gotten a you've got a better all rounder and a better a wicket keep better batting from your wicket keeper coming in and maybe a better wicket keeper full stop. But yeah, yeah. and that'll definitely bring in some improvements, but the top order need to score runs other than root. Um Yeah. So that's going to be uh, that's in Australia uh, now. The conversely, England, India are hurting, and they're going to play their first series in England. Uh, I like their chances to at least share honors with England here in this series. I wouldn't be surprised if in- India won this series. By the way, no. I wouldn't expect a sweep. A sweep would surprise me if they won five nil. Um, like barring weather, obviously. Like if, yeah. you, if every game has a result and they were and goes to the five days and isn't rain affected and they win five nil, I'd be very surprised still because I would expect uh, England's uh, swing bowling attack to come in and at least uh, win a game or two against yeah, India. Yeah. Um, now, other than, and it doesn't get much easier for India. They have an away series against South Africa. Uh, where India have never uh, actually, I made a mistake. South Africa won a lost their series at uh, in India in the last Test World Championship. So India didn't win that series in South Africa. So this is India's chance to win a series in South Africa, which I think the only Asian team to win a series in South Africa was Sri Lanka back in 2018. Oh yeah, which was what which was one of the great results in Sri Lankan cricket like yeah, yeah, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also tour Bangladesh, which I would expect India to win, but Bangladesh has been competitive at home against a lot of teams. Uh, yeah. Though they had a poor Test World Championship in the last one, the um, I hope they're more motivated to perform, and they will have Shakib Al Hassan in this tournament, so be a different uh, kettle of fish for India. Um, they have a home series against New Zealand, Sri Lanka, and Australia. 
Uh, I'm going to say Australia. If you can't beat India at home, I don't see you beating India in India. Like, yeah, exactly. I, am I saying you're going to get swept? Absolutely not. I think you can win a game in that series. But I feel like that series just says India 3-1 or 2-1. Yeah, It has no. written all over it. Um, Sri, Lanka, Sri Lanka, if those games all get played out and there's no rain, I feel like India should beat Sri Lanka. Yeah, um, yeah. at the moment, definitely. Yeah. And the against New Zealand, like I said, New Zealand have not traditionally done well in India. No. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they could sneak in a draw in one of those games because the in- current Indian, ba- uh, current New Zealand batting lineup is not bad against spin bowling. Yeah, got... they're definitely better than England at uh, facing spin bowling. Yeah, yeah. Like as a, as a group, I don't think we have a player as good as Joe Root is. Uh, apart from maybe Kane Williamson at yeah, facing yeah. spin, but as a group, I think we're all better. Yeah. Um, Henry Nichols will have to bolster up his play against off spin, as we have discussed. Yeah, yeah. To perform in that uh, in that series, um, Australia they have England at home in their first series. Uh, West Indies, South Africa. Uh, England and West Indies are teams they should beat handily, uh, but South Africa. Mm. That could get quite interesting. I, I think South Africa are in a bit of a comeback in the Test uh, world. They're yeah. slowly, um, imp- uh, slowly improving. Um, they beat West Indies in the series, in which, which was technically the last series of the previous Test World Championships. So this is why South Africa finally moved to fourth in <laughs> the rankings in nice. the previous. Uh, I believe displacing England from fourth place. All right. So good on them. Good on them. Yeah, they you say that definitely is a, a a bolstering to South Africa, and then yeah, they may actually you know could yeah. make it a bit more interesting this this cycle around as well. See whether they can um exert some more dominance like they have in the past. Yeah, and it gets hard for Australia in their away games. Pakistan, Sri Lanka, India, all away in Asia. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Sri Lanka, I, I don't, I know they are currently not a good team and Australia should beat them, but at in home conditions, they should back themselves. Yeah, if yeah. Bangladesh can beat Australia at home, Sri Lanka can beat Australia at home. Exactly. Um, Pakistan as well, like they haven't lost a series to home series to Australia in a while, uh, so they should be confident too. And I don't think India have anything to fear from Australia at home. No. Um, I expect India to go on a revenge tour in this uh, t- <laughs> Test World Championship, and yeah, rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. They want to show that they are that they are also champions. They want to make yeah. a second final in a row, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, South Africa, they play India at home. Um, once again, that's going to be a tough series for India, I think. Um, but it, yeah, and also a tough series for South Africa, but that's going to yeah. be, that's going to decide a lot on what, uh, that's going to be a key series for India, I think, away series. Um, the key they get series for up. South Africa, really, as well. So make sure yeah, that they're. Yeah. Like, they have a good chance to potentially be finalists with that. Um, Bangladesh, or. 
at home as well, and West Indies at home as well. Once again, I think very winnable for South yeah. Africa. They could do what New Zealand did in the t- last Test World Championship and sweep all their home series. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the away uh, series, they're playing New Zealand in New Zealand, and South Africa have nothing to fear playing in New Zealand. They no. have the right bowling lineup. Their batsmen are good in our conditions. As South African players coming here show... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think the uh, South Africa, Loyal New Zealand are very, very good at home, and it would I think it would be a very good performance if New Zealand were man, would manage to win those two test matches. Uh, I wouldn't guarantee it. Um, similarly, I think they could do well in England because they've got three away games, and they've got three away games in Australia. Three very tough away series for South Africa, but I feel like South Africa have the bowling to win uh, win at least one or two games in those away series. I was just thinking uh, that this World Test Championship, the Season 2 here, is actually set up very well for South Africa. Like, their away series are in countries that aren't too, that should suit their play style, should suit their bowlers. Yeah. Um, you know, and the teams that they're less well matched up again, they're all facing at home. Um, yeah. So it's you know, it, it feels like they this is a good chance for them really. You say they so can sweep the home court. series and pick up vital wins in the away series, then it's all on. So for. do you think uh, Proteas are a nice quiet bet to be a dark horse for the I next th- tournament? I think given the way the schedule's worked out for them, yes, I think that's a definite. I wouldn't be surprised if South Africa the Proteas finished in the top three, if not the top two. I agree with that yeah. assessment. Yeah, um, I mean, there's some like key... My favourites are still for India to get through to the final, I think. Mm. Uh, like I said, they're on a revenge tour, still the best team. And I think, other than that South Africa series away, and that uh, they have two tough series away, South Africa and England. Yeah. Uh, so if they can... Uh, yeah, that's basically the only factor. But, you know, a and... team like India can't expect easy... Because they know they have to play England and Australia in their games. Yeah. So they never expect an easy schedule. No, I think with India, the first series against England and England, that's yeah. going to set the tone for them. If they can get yeah. a good result out of that, then yeah, they they can be on their way. But once again, it's not like it's a short tournament. It's going to be um, yeah. a long time through. So anything can happen. Now, yeah, and similarly, Pakistan... Their fans on Cricket Info were quite happy with the schedule because they felt like they it gave them a good opportunity. They're playing Australia at home, New Zealand at home, and England at home. Oh, yeah. Now, I think New Zealand are a team that have done well in Sharjah, uh, sorry, in the UAE, and I don't think mm. New Zealand are going to go to Pakistan itself to play these games. They're going to play them in the UAE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, similarly with England and Australia. Um, both England and New Zealand have won series in the UAE, and I think Australia have struggled in the UAE um, yeah. against Pakistan's uh, spin bowling and swing bowling lineup. Uh, so I could see New Zealand getting a draw. I could even see England getting a draw, and or Pakistan beating them, or New Zealand beating them. Like all three results are up there, but I feel it's tough for Australia to win those games in Pakistan uh, slash UAE. Uh, their away series are against the West Indies, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka Um, 
let me tell you, the fans are saying Bangladesh is are easy beats at home. I give my big middle finger to that because <laughs> I think Bangladesh are going to be totally up for it and are going to totally want to be a win that series against Pakistan. Oh, yeah. uh, but like both matches if they can. I don't know if Bangladesh will, but that's going to be a very motivated Bangladesh team. Um, there's they're going to face Sri Lanka at home, which I think. Once again, it's a winnable series for Pakistan, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sri Lanka won a game or two there in West Indies as well. Like I don't wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they won a game or two there in that and, series. Well, all three of those series are only two match series as well, um, so then I mean, give a lot of leeway in there. I agree that they have been given a better schedule because they're facing Bangladesh and Sri Lanka away. Mm. So that's which I think. Given those two were the poorest teams in the previous worst chess championship, those are the away series you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the West, but as New Zealand showed, they couldn't win. They had to draw the series against Sri Lanka last time. Yeah. And the West Indies, care, uh, I think, had, had a credible performance in the last Test World Championship, uh, winning a Test match in England, and I believe also winning in South Africa. So they're not. Mm. Easy beats by any stretch no. of the imagination, um, especially at home. Um, now, yeah. New Zealand are facing Bangladesh and Sri Lanka at home. Um, I just expect those to be wins. Um, yeah, yeah. With all due respect, uh, Bangladeshi as well. So you know, they're like the other team I support. But I don't think Bangladesh are going to win in New Zealand. I don't think Sri Lanka are going to win in New Zealand. No. Both teams have historically struggled a lot in New Zealand conditions, so I don't see it happening. Also, like, rain is going to be a factor, of course, with all New Zealand home games. But that's also the case for, uh, I believe, uh, England and possibly even South Africa and India. Yeah. Um, Now... In their away series, they're playing against India. That's such a tough series. Yeah. Uh, I think the series against England and Pakistan, there are winnable games there. I don't know if we, we'll win a series in England like we did just a few weeks ago yeah. against their top team. We don't know. It depends on when they play, players available. But the, that's, a, that's also a winnable series. And I think if uh, we're playing in the UAE, playing against Pakistan in a two-match series is also a winnable series, or at least a drawable series, if not winnable. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to be enough for New Zealand to make it to the finals again. But that's, it's still as good a, for, it's as good a thing as they can expect. Like yeah. That India series is a bit like the Australia series we had last time. Yeah. Uh, so that's you, and the other away series are winnable, winnable, or at least you can get you can get points. There are yeah. points on offer for them. I think, yeah. Once again, that India series, which is really early on in the cycle, um, is going to be a key one. Like if we can get something out of that, that's that's November this year. We go to um, go to India before our home homes yeah. um, summer. So that's going to be. Yeah. Um, Actually, it's both for New Zealand and India. Like India has a fairly tough start, you know, yeah. going England, going home, and getting us after yeah. we've just come off beating them in in England. Um, so we're going to be wanting to go there to prove that you know we could have beaten them anywhere, and they're wanting revenge and being like, "Hey, you're at home conditions now, and we're going to wipe the floor with you." Exactly. So it's 
that's going to be just two matches as well, which is a little sad. It sort of feels like that one should have been a couple extra, really. But well, India did want to play a third match, I believe, yeah. in, when they toured last year, but England, New Zealand begged them not to because it was going to like lose New Zealand cricket a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's fair enough that India goes. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be this the same is... thing. We wouldn't be able to fit it in very easily yeah. um, to get it in, so that we could get back for the New Zealand summer and get all the the stuff happening there and yeah, fitting in with yeah. the T Twenty competitions. It is up to the home board, but I don't think India are playing tit for tat. I think you're right yeah. that New Zealand are like, oh look, we can't please to. I, yeah. I don't think it's on India's end that we're not playing. Because no. a lot of times you get the smaller series because the home crowd like, look, you're not worth it. But in, I don't think India are doing that to New Zealand no, uh, no. in this situation. Um, the Windies, do you, I, think, I think they made a credible performance. Nobody was expecting them to win the World Test Championships. Um, but they have some decent... They have a reasonably difficult series, uh, uh, schedule ahead of them. They have to away to South Africa, Australia, and Sri Lanka, yeah. um, and at home to Bangladesh, England, and Pakistan. Now, Bangladesh won their first ever away Test series against the West Indies in the West Indies, but this is a very different West Indian team who also beat Bangladesh in Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, in the te- World Test Championships, uh, so I think that's a win. That's a very winnable series for them. I expect them to win that against England. Two Test series, I could easily see them win a game, take one at least off England over there. Yeah, yeah. And once again, I could see them beat Pakistan at home. They have the bowling lineup. They have uh, decent batters now in the uh, West Indies team. Yeah. No, I think you're you're right. Like those are actually fairly good home series for the West Indies, and with England, it may depend on which England team shows up a bit. Um, Yeah. Also, with you, I expect over three matches that England will take that series, but who knows? Sometimes they've looked a bit bit off sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah, and a fair and. England have been really hyper-focused on the Ashes, and I don't know what they're going to do when they come up against the West Indies. Yeah. Are Broad and Anderson still going to... Uh, sorry, yeah, Broad and Anderson still going to be in the team then? How, will they have retired? Maybe, yeah. Can they Can they go right through this whole cycle? I mean... Yeah, I mean, for the New Zealand team at least, I expect the four, the core four to be... Uh, like available first choice barring injuries, they're not retiring this cycle. Like, I don't believe. Not even Ross Taylor. I don't think he's pretty much said he's going to keep playing. He's still got the the hunger. Ross Taylor's got the drive to play. I think the batting looks really good because we're very experienced. I'm sure Will Young will get his opportunities, and I hope he does. Yeah, well, I would suspect that with Taylor very much at the end of his career, even though he keeps wanting to go, that they will try to get Will, um, Will Young blooded a bit more as well, um, so that they've got an easy replacement to slide right in when they need him. Yeah, and ditto with uh, but Tom Latham's not retiring, I don't think. Kane no, Williamson's no. clearly not. Um, Devin Conway's only just started his career. Exactly. So, uh, And Henry Nichols, Will Young are still young. 
Yeah, exactly. Pardon the pun. <laughs> so that's their um that's for them. And Sri uh the uh, Sri La- uh, whereas England there is a few people who could retire and we don't know what sort of form the batters are gonna be in. Mm. Also, like, what do you think about this talk about the off-stump guard? Honestly, it makes no sense to me. Why would you do the off-stump guard? And everybody uses Steve Smith as the example, and also Manish Labuschagne does it. But Steve Smith does something very, very incredibly better than any other batsman in the world, which he's able to just flick that ball to that's outside off-stump down, down to mid-wicket. Yeah, really, yeah. really well. And he's probably been practicing that shot all his life. And Manish Labuschagne gives me that same impression. Yeah. And like the exact moment when they're taking their shot, their head is on off stump, so they're not fishing outside, neither yeah, yeah, of yeah. them. Uh, Whereas there's so many of these English players fishing outside on fourth, fifth stump. They're bringing it into play just by not being used to this style. Yeah. And I've, like I don't think you can adapt to batting on off stump if you haven't done it your whole life. Yeah, I just feel it's one of these things of trying to be like, well, Steve Smith's the best batter in the world, and he bats on off stump. So we, if we bat on off stump, we'll be the best batter like him. And it's like, no, it's Steve Smith is a unique talent who bats in his own way, who's better. You say better that way his entire life, so is very used to it and knows yeah. exactly what he's doing. Um, with it, and he's adapted his style around him batting, you know, taking that card. I, I, you can't like, just... I've made a a sporting like analogy, which I call the LeBron James rule. Basically, <laughs> there's a lot of basketball people who make stats arguments about how basketball trends are going, and they'll use LeBron James as an example. <laughs> and I basically go, look, if you're using the best basketball player as your example of a trend, I have to take your argument with a real grain of salt uh and the um you know and basically if you uh you know stito michael jordan if you're gonna use the best player as your argument for why this works is like no i'm not gonna necessarily just go you can do it that's the way you should do it because he can do it yeah you know Steve Smith is the best batsman to ever bat on off stump we've ever seen because he's yeah. probably the first one to sp- uh, perfectly do it the way he's done it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, this doesn't prove to me that everybody can do it. Like just pick it up and do it. At least if you've grown up doing it, different argument altogether. I, you know, I'm willing to concede you've learned the nuances and the weaknesses of your game. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and this is what this is why I'm not gonna like argue about Manish Labuschagne. Like he's clearly done it growing up, and it's that's also a bit of his natural style. Yeah. 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 And watching Smith. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, but, you know, if you haven't done that all your life and that you're just picking it up, I'm like, yeah, I'm not seeing you do well with this. But, yeah, no. that's a long argument maybe for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the remaining two, the Wooden Spooners, uh, possibly the two teams that are going to fight for the Wooden Spoon, I hate to say. Sri Lanka, Bangladesh... Uh, but Sri Lanka have an away series in India, New Zealand, tough, tough, and an away series against what apparently what are now their greatest rivals, Bangladesh. <laughs> and, and I'm not even joking. Apparently, yep. those games are even more intense and bad tempered than India Pakistan games. Wow. And the Asia Cup. Wow, wow. Like, 
yeah, I don't get it. Uh, but I imagine uh, it's as you were saying before, it's the wooden because they sort of starting to see it as the wooden spoon thing. So they're like, we have I to win this one. So not in the in the Asia Cup. I don't think they necessarily see it that way because okay. Bangladesh has made the finals a lot of times in the Asia Cup. Um, and obviously Sri Lanka has won it before, yeah. but I'm I just saying like, more recently. But yeah. and it's been like a few years that it, this has been going on. Apparently, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Then I don't know. And the and uh, Sri Lanka hosts Pakistan, West Indies, and Australia. That's not Sri Lanka's best opportunity to potentially to have a very good performance because they only get one of the big three, and they're playing them at home. Like, yeah. sorry, one of the big three at home and one of the big three away. And the big three they're playing at home is probably the team that they're best suited to probably go up against mm. in their home conditions. Yeah, yeah. In Australia. Um, now, and also, like, I think the West Indies are going to be going to find it tough in Sri Lanka in Sri Lankan conditions. Pakistan will definitely give them a fight. Yeah. So. And as I said, because Bangladesh are absolutely uh, gunning for it, they want to try and beat Sri Lanka at home, I'm sure. I think Bangladesh want very hard to at least win two of those series at home against Pakistan and uh, in uh, Sri Lanka, because the third home series they have is India. Um, if they can beat Pakistan and Sri Lanka, they will be competent to try and actually win a series against India at home because I don't think they believe they can win any of their away fixtures. They've got New Zealand, they've got South Africa, and they've got the West Indies. Mm. Well, they may consider the West Indies to a maybe a, a, a possibility, but I think you're right about the New Zealand and South Africa ones. That's going to be... Even Bangladesh will be looking at that one again. That those are tall orders. So Yeah. But yes, yeah, so I think looking over that, what do we we like South Africa and we like New Zealand. We like New Zealand's chances. I think we really like South Africa's chances. Yeah, yeah. For us, I think the schedule fits and suits them quite well. Um, it, they have to work on it. They have to get those wins. Those are not gimmies, but they're yeah. all doable for that team. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think would probably be go a long way towards helping South Africa come back into. World Test Cricket. They're eighth ranked in the world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like low for you know their high standards. Oh, that's very low for South Africa. That's yeah. And I think we always think India are in with a chance. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. I think Australia once again, if they once they win the Ashes and if they handily beat the West Indies, which we think they will, the South Africa are gonna have a tough time. Them. Yeah, but there it's hard to see where they're away. What, how, wh- how many points are gonna get in their away series? Yeah, that's our brief, I think, rundown. And I think England. I think it's a problem. They're an aging team in transition. If does that yeah. feel unfair? No, I think that's a very fair comment to make. And um, like yeah. they have probably the best Test cricketer in the world in Ben Stokes, but yeah. he's also injury prone. Yeah, because he does everything. Yes, and he's also not going to play all their games because England do that rotation thing. Yeah, um, and they don't have an easy schedule. They're they play all the big teams. Arguably, if you're going to consider New Zealand to be part of the big four, good Test playing teams, then they're playing all of the four best teams. What did you say? England 
they're not scheduled to play Bangladesh and Sri Lanka in this cycle, yeah. which the bottom two teams are just saying. So yeah, that's that's a hard um, hard schedule, hard and schedule. they're rebuilding, so that's yeah. it's very tough for them. I think, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I don't see them getting as close as they did this time. I think they'll st- they'll be off the pace. Yeah, but well, funny things have happened. Um, yeah. Also, like. That's the other thing. Like we don't see any potential good batters in their county season coming up, especially if they're all going to bat on off stump, the way they yeah. have, right? Yeah, yeah. We're we're seeing a trend in England English cricket where we're like, uh, this m- might work for them, but it might not work for them for a few years, and then it'll work for them if it does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess a little bit of this is that the long cycle of the yeah, it's a two year cycle, right? So, um. Anything can happen for England in that time. Anything can happen yeah. for any of the teams in that time. So, yeah, sometimes it can be a bit hard to to predict because you've got to. They think about what's what's happening with their players through that too, and they may find some really good players during that time who, who either made the off stump guard work or have yeah. gone against it and shown that things are, and their selectors start selecting them or something. Who knows? But I also feel like New Zealand's given. Everybody, uh, kind of tutorial in the in that second test, how to bowl to that off stump card batters. Yeah. yeah. Um, with like all of the the plans are there. I think the and because the people have talked about the weaknesses, people are and to an extent, I think New Zealand kind of exposed some of the weaknesses to Steve Smith's. Uh, batting technique when New Zealand came to tour. Like, New Zealand didn't play well in that tour at all, um, but neither did Steve. No. Yeah. Like a rare bad series for him. Yeah. I think you're right. Maybe, yeah, we've worked out how to to expose the off-stump guard a bit, Um, or at least keep it under under wraps in the case of Steve Smith. And with the British, you know, the English, then, you know, Actually, show them that it doesn't work. Whether they learn that lesson or not, it's a different story. But, or maybe they they work on it and, and perfect it a bit better. But we'll see. Oh, we lost it. Me. Oh, it's down there. Sorry, yeah, went okay. to the wrong thing again because yeah. I wanted to see if we got any chats. <laughs> <laughs> but. Don't we should do a. Well, we're we'll moved from the cricket. We will go do a quick shout out to the people who are listening in. Uh, yes. Let's go to Twitch first. Uh, another TV viewer, Commander Root, Discord for streamers, Erabs, and Sad underscore Girl. Thanks very much for listening. Hope you're enjoying it all. Yes, hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, Here in, in Discord, we've got Nyquist, Nimrox, and Wolsey still. So, yeah. Thanks, guys, the for sticking around. Group. The old uni group. Yeah. Uh, we've got a request to join from Nyquist. Well, we'll give him a moment. Here we go. Here you go, Nyquist. You can have a moment. <laughs> so, as much as we've been talking about the cricket, I must say the past few weeks have been uh, football for me. We're about uh, to move on to football. We are about to move on to football, so that is a very good segue. But uh, very briefly before we go to football, um, 
over here, the Auckland Blues finally won a Super Rugby tournament after uh, al- almost 20 years, so 18 yeah. years ago. The Blues won. Uh, Nike was just left, but we will bring, invite back. you back in when we start bringing talking about football. Yeah, and we'll do. Now, we'll do. We're not everybody on. Well, whoever wants to talk at the end. Yep, yep. And the, uh, with, blues. the with the Blues, we've got a quick talk. The l- things that weren't around the last time the Blues managed to win Super Rugby. <laughs> now, this is like. Completely, I don't think anyone back in 2003 thought it would be 18 years till we would have won the Super Rugby. Just to give you an idea of how long ago that was, the uh, the 2003 Auckland Blues team had players like Oreni Ie, Carlos Spencer, yeah, and Lee Stensness and Xavier Rush. Oh yeah. So like those you the there's things in the middle of your brain being, I remember those guys. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, those guys. I mean, you don't really forget Carlos Spencer, but still. Oh, yeah, obviously Carlos Spencer's a legend. Nobody's forgetting him, of course. No. Um, but, yeah, everybody thought that was going to be the start of a second dynasty. The people who debuted that season include um, Kevin Mialamu, oh. Joe Rokotoko, yeah. and Sam Tuitalupo. All right. Uh, who are obviously blues legends, and yeah, yeah. I think Kevin Mialamu is a New Zealand rugby legend, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Um, but yeah, shout out to them. Things that weren't around since then: Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> iPhones. <laughs> um. Well. This was going to be a topic we supposedly... Uh, I think that was enough for us to go, yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> life as we now know it was not around. Yeah. Um, now, we... Uh, I mean, the... I suppose the other way to look at it, it was so long ago that all of us were still in university. All of us were still in university. Yeah. And we used to still regularly watch rugby. Yes, because we have no other real things to add to this conversation, do we? No, that that's about as far as that goes. All right. I, was, I know I had one more thing to add, which was just what? I found it funny here at home because my son obviously is a big blue supporter because he considered himself an Aucklander, which yeah. makes it hilarious when we're watching the rugby because obviously I'm a Chiefs supporter and my wife's a Highlander supporter. She went to yeah, Otago, so it's yeah makes the dynamic. Are um, both your sons uh, blue supporters? Uh, oh, Connor, the younger one, flip-flops around. He's too young, really, to, to have chosen a particular one. Um, he decided he was a Highlanders supporter in the final, um, because that's what his mummy is. But, fair um, enough. And was the opposite to, to his brother, which is also fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also fair enough. But I, I feel both of them will end up being blue supporters, which is still a little sad, but also understandable. Yeah, yeah. Just look, man. Fun. All we should tell them that all right-thinking children who grow up in Auckland should be Highlander supporters, like when we grew up. <laughs> That's how it was back in our day. Yeah. Hey, I'm always a Chiefs supporter, man. I come from South Auckland. Right. It's okay. That That's Chiefs country. That's there was true. even a sign at the end of the road. My parents, 
or um it wasn't always chief's country it used to be blue's country when you won two back to back yeah yeah well yeah we were and apparently they didn't steal um jonathan would like i always think they did but yeah, how dare you like besmirch the name of the late Jonah Lomu? Come on. Well, I didn't but just besmirch him. As besmirch you said the he blues. left. You said he left for the blues, and he never did. That I he was unfaithful. You, unfaithful to County's Manica, and he never left County's Manica. He was like, he only left after they didn't want him. Yeah, yeah. I know. Somehow it got stuck in my mind. I don't know why. I just blame Walker. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, look. One thing to blame Auckland. Y'all need to bring John Alomu's good name into it. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. On to the Euros. <laughs> which uh, Nyquist wanted to talk about. I think everybody wants to talk about because it's been such a good tournament. Like, an incredibly good tournament. Yeah. So many uh, great games. And obviously i think that wants to talk about it because i think he thinks football is coming home <laughs> football's coming home well maybe maybe i absolutely go off if the um uh, it's gonna absolutely go off if the uh if england wins obviously obviously yeah i was no it's funny enough at work um during the week um after the victory, because got like an actual English person there, and then the owners, well, Manuel is his parents are German, and so he's always been a big German um, football fan, and yep. so yeah, got to work. Manuel got there and like, oh, so the game. Manuel's just very like, mm. yeah, yeah, it was a game. It happened. I'm, I'm not interested in football today. And then, uh, Andy, do you know the English... what Chelsea supports? Um, well. Helena, his wife, is, is from Leipzig, so they support Leipzig. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Our, the Lawn Bowls team. The Lawn Bowls team. But then, Andy, the, the um, Englishman came in, and you knew when he arrived, because it was just like, yeah, get Just It was just full-on <laughs> energy. <laughs> it was just hilarious. I mean, it was a super tense game as well. Like, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and I love the Ram Sterling just basically got in got the goal after all that criticism he got all throughout the season like oh yeah he's not playing that well he's basically overrated like come off it mate <laughs> he scored like 12 goals and had eight assists for a, for a right winger that's a pretty damn good season <laughs> it's a pretty good season here yeah. like at his current rate of production uh, Graham St- uh raheem sterling will probably outscore frank lampard as the highest scoring midfielder in Premier League history. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy to think about. That is all you need to know about how good he is. Yeah. But we all know how it is, right? Like, the uh, black players always get extra criticism when they have an off-season when it, in uh, in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, Harry Kane finally broke his duck, and now they're bring on the Ukrainians. I've but yeah. I would not be, uh, yeah, I wouldn't take it for granted that you're going to beat the Ukraine. I think the Ukraine have shown that they're a competitive team. There's no bad teams now. You're in the quarters. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you say Ukraine's shown that they're doing quite well. Um, and they're playing well as a team as well, which um, says a lot. Because they, yeah. uh, they, they, 
will dig in deep and they're not going to go away. Even if England scores the first goal, and that's not the end of that that game. Yeah. The Ukraine will come back at them and come back at them hard. So we go after and I have to fight all the way. So and I also think the Ukraine showed a lot of guts to hold on and win that game against Sweden. Yeah. Um, they uh, and especially in extra time. Yeah, and I think Shevchenko's got them right. Like they're obviously inspired by him. Obviously, he's the greatest ever Ukrainian football player. Yeah, yeah. And he's got the team playing his way. Um, yeah. So England, they should uh, definitely not take it for granted. This, um, and the other great game uh, we've got coming up is the Czech Republic and Denmark. Um, Denmark, yeah. everybody's second favorite team, probably this tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know both of these teams seem very much like a almost dark horse. Um, yeah, in here, so it's like a clash of the dark horses, which is going to be the darker dark horse. Make it through. Yeah, continue and, the run. Yeah, like Czech Republic played very well against the Netherlands. Like oh, just very well. Tactically outwit, a tactically outwitted uh, Frank Dupour, which we were all expecting to happen at some point in the tournament. Like, yeah. uh, basically, like, and he's been getting a lot of stick back in Holland, but yeah, that's deserved because <laughs> he basically played all the wrong <laughs> tactics in that game, and the Netherlands uh, basically uh, outplayed them. Yeah. Um, like they were way too reliant on Memphis Depay, and once the one game where he couldn't like dig them out, they ended up losing. Yeah. That's pretty much uh, what happens, yeah. And there, the Czech Republic have got a nice, quiet little team. It's I've, they give me a bit of a Greece 2004 vibe. Like people are pretty much going under the radar. Nobody yeah, yeah. really paying much attention to them, but they could eventually get to the final, you know, semi-final if they beat Denmark. Um, they are, England are on the easier side of the draw. So if they do beat the Ukraine, they've got Denmark or the Czech Republic. And then obviously whoever's on the other side of the draw have the much tougher way through. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the other Belgium, side Italy. of the draw, Belgium, Italy, which yeah. is going to be another cracker of a game. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, uh, and Switzerland, uh, Switzerland, uh, Spain, which is, I think, also going to be another cracker of a game. Yeah. I would, I'm honestly thinking that uh, Switzerland are in with a chance here. Spain's defense has been terrible. Yeah. All, uh, and um, <clears throat> uh, former Chelsea striker, what's his name? Morata. Morata has been terrible. Though um, yeah. so he did. Uh, did play well in their the round of sixteen versus Croatia. Yeah. Managed to Finally. Finally, yeah. Managed to actually do something just for a change. Just like, you know what, I'm gonna play this game. Yeah. So, but the, uh, Spain did almost manage to throw that away against Croatia. So Yeah, they almost did manage to throw that away against Croatia and their uh we had some good performances all round from the team, as you said, finally from Elvaro Morata. Um, uh, but the they seem vulnerable, and I think Switzerland are a team that are just getting into form. 
Yeah. And they're all humming, like the team's united. They know they're kind of underdogs going into this tournament. Uh, and Jordan Shakiri just, you know, we always know that he's a class player. Yeah. And he's just shown what he's capable of doing. Yeah, and I think the other thing there is, like the Ukraine, Switzerland don't give up, and they showed that against France. Right? They came yeah. back strong, um, and they can hold in, and they can they can work for themselves and get the result. So once again, you know, those royalties that Spain's been showing that Croatia nearly picked apart, um, they're not going to be able, you know, Switzerland's going to do that more, and those royalties are going to be much more um, apparent. When, when for Spain when they're playing Switzerland and they won't necessarily get as easier um, chances to score as many goals. Yeah, yeah, I feel like France kind of played into Switzerland's hands by taking Karim Benzema off for Olivier Giroud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you love Giroud because he's a Chelsea man, but the yeah. I think Karim Benzema is just one of those players who's just an absolute like talisman for any team. He's and he was playing so well in that yeah. game, like. They didn't really have an answer for him, the Swiss team. And then once he came off, like, no surprises, the uh, the Swiss made a comeback. Yeah. We all thought Paul Pogba had, like, finished the game off yeah, in yeah. the 75th minute when he scored. And you then finally... And then finally, the Swiss came back. So I would be like that game with in Spain is just going to be incredible. And remember, I remember Switzerland actually beat Spain in the 2010 World Cup when they won it their first game. I mean, that's a yeah. long time ago, of course. Very yeah. different teams, but, but still, it's, but yeah, it's happened. It has happened, and the. Other game with Belgium versus Italy. I feel like the Kevin De Bruyne is just such a big loss for Belgium. Yeah. Italy have been by and far the best team this tournament. Is that, that unfair? No, I don't think so. I, I actually think the two teams, both Belgium and Italy, have been the two better teams so far. Yeah, of the teams left. Um, yeah. I, I mean, look, Lukaku's been amazing. Maybe one yeah. of the candidates for player of the tournament. Yeah. In this series. Um, just doing the job for for Belgium whenever they need him to, he just does it. Yeah. Uh, but without De Bruyne, it's going to be so hard. And yeah. Eden Hazard still injured as well. De Bruyne is injured. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of losses for that yeah. Belgian midfield. Exactly. Um, that's why at, at Italy they're in with the t- uh, with the full team. Um, mm. There is some talk that they might not start Kalini, uh, which I'm wondering about. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's got an injury, uh, uh, or at least there's some doubts about his fitness going into the game. But that midfield is coming. That they're uh, Iacatelli, Barella, and Immo- Immobile, <laughs> Hiro Immobile up front, who's basically got the worst misnomer for a, for a name for any forward ever. Uh, but uh, And also, Roberto Mancini knows how to win. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, you can't forget the other Chelsea man, Jorginho, in yeah. there. Um, 
So once the and like that midfield just seems to be humming. They just know what to do and like if uh Belgium I feel like without Kevin De Bruyne they're going to have to uh play a bit close tighter and try and disrupt that midfield. Yeah. And try and get in uh and try and prevent us prevent Italy from just uh, running rampant against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, plus side for Belgium, their defence has been pretty solid. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be... And apparently Italy has been having the... They've created the... What was it? The worst of the chances. Well, the least... Least good, I think, was the... <laughs> uh, of, of chances. So they create... They don't create as many chances as other teams, and the chances they do create they tend to be of lesser quality, virtually. Um, so the Belgium defence may may save them. That's um, true. I feel like this is also Belgium's golden generations. It's pretty much one of their last opportunities, like this and maybe the World Cup next year yeah. in Qatar, uh, to and, actually go ahead and make true. Because after a while, like you know, uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Lukaku is going to be trying to lead in the next generation. This defense, uh, not everybody's going to be playing in the next Euros and things like that. Whereas Italy yeah. have a new young team. I can see them, even if they don't win this tournament, I can see them be competitive in the World Cup next year and yeah, the yeah. Euros again in 2024. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That being said, I do think Italy are going to win. Do you, if they do win, do you see a potential dynasty from Italy here? I think, yeah. Under can, Roberto Mancini. I think if Italy can get up and win um, against Belgium, to me that means they're definite favourites for the for the, for the tournament. And if they win the tournament, then that could be the start of something something amazing for them. Um, so yeah, a bit of a dynasty, a bit of a, uh, you know, could be looking at the same as Spain, 2008, 2010, 2012, three major tournaments in a row. They say it's a young Italy side, and but they look very good. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, but that's why I look at this game and just think it's a. It's a, such a big game, because it's you know almost Belgium's last, this generation's last, hurrah, almost. Yeah. And they'll have the world they're, cup in a couple. Their so-called golden generation. Yeah, I mean they'll have the World Cup next year um, as the actual last bit, but that's always a bit harder. Was this one, you know? And once again, I think if they can get up and beat Italy, they should have um, should have um, Hazard and 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 De Bruyne back. De Bruyne, I feel like yes, back. So uh, for the semi-finals, so. That will bolster them coming back in the semi-finals and finals. So, yeah. And so I think we have to now go to prediction time. And feel free, people in the chat, to put out your predictions. First game, uh, Spain Switzerland. Who are you picking? I have to go Spain. I mean, I know Switzerland. They've 
pulled some, you know, the game against France was ridiculously good. They're playing really well, but Spain, the game against Croatia, it says to me that they're starting to actually click it together. And if they do play like Spain should, um, they'll go all the way. So I, I think that's a Spain victory to me. Yeah. Um, I am going to go opposite of what you're saying. I like Switzerland. I've got a good feel about them. And I've always felt Spain were a bit vulnerable this tournament. Um, there may be a few tournaments away from building a very good core that they have now into something that's going to be very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think Switzerland were a bit of a golden generation themselves, much like Belgium. Yeah, this is like probably the best Swiss team we've seen at international level um, uh, to play the game, and I think they're p- going to win this game. I am predicting a very close game, probably something like a two-two that goes into penalties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe even goes three-three-two in extra time. Yeah. No, I, I do agree. I think it'll be a close game. I think Spain will get it and sort of. 2-1, maybe 3-1 with a very late goal that just gives them the buffer or something like that. But. Now, next game, Belgium versus Italy uh, going to be played at 7am New Zealand time tomorrow. Yeah. Who are you going to pick for that one? I think I'm going to go Belgium. I, just, I really struggle on this, but I like both teams, and I like these teams the team well. with the more Chelsea and ex-Chelsea players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go with the, the team that Chelsea built in the end. Um, <laughs> go with Belgium. But, I mean, I like Italy. Italy, I've always liked Italy. Um, so it's hard picking against them. And this team does look good. They look really good. But yeah, I think in this matchup, Belgium just going to do it. Like, the defence is going to be, be enough. And Lukaku can it's is it's going to Lukaku's score a goal. amazing this season. I think yeah. a very good player, as we know. Um, yeah. So he'll get a goal, I think, and I think that will be that's pretty much what it's going to be. It's going to be a one nil. One nil. Yeah, with a Lukaku goal to to seal it for Belgium. I am once again going to go against what you're going to uh, what you are saying. I think Italy are on fire. They're on form, and as we said, humming. Yeah. I really, really uh, like their chances. Uh, so I'm going to predict an Italy win here. I think they can, without De Bruyne in the midfield, to basically, uh, you know, give them that extra uh, little. We all know what De Bruyne adds yeah, yeah. to a team. That's not. He's basically the best all-round football player in the world at the yes. moment. Um, so without him, he uh, Belgium are effect almost like losing two players without him on the team. Well, it's not and, him and not Eden Hazard, so it's like yeah, definitely. I mean, Eden Hazard doesn't do defensively what Kevin De Bruyne does. No, no, either. But what I mean is, it's both their their yeah main both midfielders main that attack. are out. Yeah, so it's it's even worse than that. It's like yeah, De Bruyne, that would be bad enough, and then they don't have the one person that might be able to sort of cover him, which is Eden Hazard, he's out as well. So it's, it's I think it's a big Jorginho, Barella, and Lecatelli are just going to boss things around in the middle. And yeah. Chiro and oh. Mobley is just going to get a poacher's goal here and there. or yeah. a good. 
I should say, I think Italy will, will have the run of the game. They'll have the possession. Um, but I just look at that Belgium back forward and Courtois in goal. And just mm. knowing that Italy have not, their chances they've created, whilst they've, looked, they've been very good, have been the lesser value chances, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I get speaking, where you're so, coming from, yeah. and but I like my only thing about that is that I don't think Italy's back four are any worse than Belgium's, if argu- arguably better. Um, so I don't see them conceding a goal, and they stay keep their shape well. Yeah, um, this Italy team is not defensive. It doesn't play Catanesio. It doesn't just keep trying to defend and play you on the counter. They attack. Yeah, and they try and get goals. Uh, so, uh, but it also suits their current back four because they're not doing a lot of work. Even and they just have to, you know, they have their experience. They've been there, basically played four thousand games together, probably. Benucci and <laughs> <laughs> um, if not more. Uh, and obviously, Dinarima is the best young uh, goalkeeper in the world at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah. And going to PSG next season. Yeah. Um, how you let a player like him go on a free? Uh, I don't know, uh, but yep, that's happening. So yeah, I I think Italy the defenses are even. Attack are maybe Lukaku slight uh, is might be better, but I think as a team, Italy's attack are better because Chiro and Mobile and Chiesa just combine so well. Yeah, yeah. And the when we're going at the midfield, like I said, without Kevin De Bruyne, Italy's midfield are much better, especially as a team. I think. Yeah. Uh, so I see an Italy win. I actually might uh, it might be close, but I think the scoreline might flatter them. I think it might even be something like two 0 okay. to Italy. That's my prediction. Yep. Um. Secondly, Czech Republic and Denmark. Whew. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I don't even know how to pick this. Like, it, I look at this game and think this could be any number of results. It yeah. could be Czech Republic 3-0, it could be Denmark 4-0, it could be a 2-2 to penalties, it could be a 1-0, it could be a 2-1, it could be anything. Um, I think on the, the basis of it, I, I'm going to go Denmark. Um, there's no... I don't know, it feels a bit of a toy, coin toss, but Denmark absolutely demolished Wales. Um, yeah. And it's... They're looking good. They're looking solid. Um, I mean, we all just... knew it was a good Danish team going into the tournament. I think that Eriksson, yeah. quote unquote, injury uh, really took a t- you know took an emotional toll on the team. Yeah. And uh, then they just managed to get in and qualify. And then yeah, once you're in the second round, you know, you just have yeah. to. And they've clearly got the belief. Once they got to the second round, they wanted to play and play for Eric and go go as far as they could. And yeah. uh, sorry, Chris Chin. And yeah, I think they're gonna go and do the business as well. I feel like Denmark is gonna win this game. I think it's gonna be an attacking game, uh, very tactical. Um, both sides trying to, and I don't think this is one of the games where neither side are gonna underestimate each other. So yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a, but I think Denmark are gonna win. I think maybe two one, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, two one, maybe three one with 
once again some sort of late goal. Yeah. To, to to give them a buffer for the last little bit or something, just to make sure they make it. Then. Yeah. Uh. And the final game of the round of uh, the quarterfinals, the Ukraine versus England. Now, I don't Football's think it's going to be home? as easy a game. Hmm? Football's, Football's coming, coming home. home. Do we even need to discuss it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be as easy a game as England thinks. I think no. England do well when people have no expectations and do poorly when there is a lot of expectation. And yeah, I yeah. think there is a lot of expectation in this game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Harry Kane's broken his duck. He's found his scoring boots. I think the team are uh, confident attacking-wise. I don't know why they don't start Jack Grealish. I really don't understand <laughs> the logic of doing it the way they are. Um, but once the um, uh, the t- 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 I think Gareth Southgate has kind of shown he knows what he's doing. Maybe, yeah, maybe. It seems to have gone well so far for them, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, the team are basically uh, uh, playing well. I fully do expect them to beat the Ukraine. I think it'll be closer than expected, but I think it could be, like, a, like I said, a, similar to their game against uh, Germany, 2-0. But, uh, yeah. A tense game, defending a 1-0 lead all the way through, and then finally getting a, a goal, a second goal to guarantee the victory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think very similar. Um, though, I almost feel it's going to be a 2-1. Um, but the Ukraine, I... I I feel they're going to be good enough for one. And they may even score first, um, which will send shockwaves through the England team and England, and it will just be hilarious to watch for a bit. Um, but I think this English team has got it into them to to be able to come back from that. And I think they'll actually be able to do it, and they'll win. And Actually, I'm going to change my mind. I do think England are going to win, but what I'm predicting is it will be a nil all all the way through, and England will get through on penalties. All right. Yeah, they're going to break that that hoodoo as well, and actually win penalties in a knockout tournament. Right? Oh, they broke that hoodoo in the 2018 World Cup I suppose against Colombia. Yeah, they did. You're right. right. So no, they've broken their penalties hoodoo. Yeah, I think England will do it, or maybe an extra time. So I think it might be one one at the end of regulation, and they score in um, in extra time and and win it that way, and don't take it for penalties. Though, so, yeah, yeah. So the that would basically uh, leave England to play Denmark in the semis for both our predictions. Yeah. Yes, if our predictions are correct. Um, obviously, we can't say for certain if that'll be true, but we'll yeah. find out in the next couple of days. Yeah. Now, we have some other stuff to talk about going back into the season. Um, yeah. No, our uh, football fantasy league. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Um, in the standard league, so just the point by. I have to give it up for Fred 
um, Lundvik. He managed to have a win uh, with the Midlands three-way. He took top place with 87 points, which was, was that that's 14 clear of Drew Tastic in second, who was on 73 points. And then Edsta, um, Edsta's dream team was on 70 points in third before we had L1 squared Nadar on 67. Yeah. Uh, at the bottom was Cocker, Jean, with Kexon, and then myself, bottom two, and Andre on lockdown, 36. So it's 25, 34, 36 going up. You managed to get well out of relegation bottom. I know. This is one of the first seasons I've not been relegated. Yeah. <laughs> and I finished below you, which I think is, that is definitely the first season that I've managed that. That is disappointing by me. Um, and in the draft league, we had Dr. Evil, Sharks with laser beams, winning with 81 points. It was close because second place, which was Kiwi United with midfielder time, was also on 81 points. And there was a very slight goal difference of 10 points within that, between those two. So that was very tight at the top. Neither of them lost during the season. There was both 27 wins and 11 draws for both of them. With um, Sharks and Laser Beam scoring 717 points versus Kiwi United um, 1712. But Drew Tastic became third in that one. So he probably the best over the two ones with a second and a third. With Nadar with the L1 triangle being fourth. So he managed to pick up fourth in both leagues. Yeah, well done, Nadar. Especially given he didn't realize how the draft worked. Yeah. Because he thought we had a we had a salary cap, which we didn't. No, no. Because um, uh, we remember he got the first draft pick, and he picked uh, Virgil Van Dyke, which like yeah. we were like, amazed about. We were all amazed about. Yeah, yeah. But um, but, but once again, you finished above me in the draft as well. You finished seventh, and I finished ninth. That so was out of yeah, any yeah. relegation, if we're gonna call it relegation there. The bottoms were Sparta Rotterdam with Dini in the bottle, then Kratom with random names, and Tohack United, Dave. So they're on 21 points, 37, 42 points, respectively. Nice. 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 Yeah. Thank you for everyone. Everybody who wants to join our Fantasy League next season, do, uh, especially the draft, it's heaps of fun. We do yeah. do a live draft thing, and... Uh, there are we do tend to have like voice chat on so people can discuss options and make decisions around what yeah, they yeah. want to do. That one we're doing the proper general voice chat on the draft. Yeah, yeah. Draft chat and just anybody can can join that way. But yeah, it's lots of fun. Normally the draft, it's it's always good. But um, I'll be next couple of weeks I'll be setting that up and we'll start um looking at a, a draft date. Yep, we'll also have an NFL draft. We did have an NFL draft league yeah. for our listeners, but we can't remember who won. <laughs> I didn't record down the games, so unfortunately. Yeah, we're. I think uh, my wife's cousin uh, was cu- was top in the regular season, but she just lost out in the playoffs. All right, that's sad. In the last few weeks yeah, yeah. of the season. Um, so she felt quite gutted and it was quite interesting because we had a bunch of people who knew a lot about, 
American football and a bunch of people who are just learning. And yeah, yeah so hopefully people want to keep learning and getting into the NFL. The week. Yeah, yeah. We will continue covering it as the podcasts go on. Yeah. Um, on a related note with American sports, the Phoenix Suns beat the LA Clippers <laughs> last night. Yay! So I am still wearing this jersey. Uh, oh, your poor wife. So they won that Western Conference Finals 4-2. Chris yeah. Paul managed to get 41 points. Nice. Now, just to give you an idea, in the fourth quarter, he went on a run where he scored eight points on his own, and the Phoenix Suns didn't con- uh, didn't concede a point at wow. all when he was on his scoring spree. Nice. So he was basically like a man-possessed. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, just firing and winning. Uh, he ended up scoring something ridiculous, like 16 points in the final six minutes of the game. Um, just They were just passing the ball to him, and he just shot and scored. Uh, so Chris Paul has been in the league for 16 years, and this is his first ever NBA final. Ooh. So a lot of all the big teams are out. All the team, big market, big teams, and uh, are out. So yeah, the yeah. other side of the draw on the Eastern Conference, we've got the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks playing. It's an interesting series. They're currently 3-2 to the Bucks, but mm. uh, Bucks uh, talisman and. Uh, b- uh, best player and current MVP Giannis Atacupo, whose name I've probably butchered there, so apologies, um, is injured, and the best player and talisman of the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young, or Ice Trey as he's known, mm. uh, is also injured. So oh, they're no. both playing with their. I don't know when they're coming back or if they're coming back. Um, so that's a that's a series that could go on for a while. So that plays well into my sons getting some time to rest and yeah, watch yeah. the other team's tactics unfold and plan against it. Yeah, that that but, is good yeah. for the sons. To give you an idea of how long I've been waiting, the last time the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA Finals was 28 years ago when Michael Jordan was still playing. Yeah. And he was in his second... Uh, they faced Michael Jordan in the finals. We had Charles Barkley playing for us. <laughs> and yes, yeah. yeah, since then, we still... We haven't had a sing- We haven't gone to the finals at all. Uh, yeah. I think that's so long ago that it's the last time I was following the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> and the... To give you an idea of how... Infrequently, the Phoenix Suns make the finals. This is the third time they'll they have made the finals. The last time they did it was in 1974, and the best player on that team was coaching the team in '93. <laughs> so he, um, so it was, so it's a long time coming, and yeah, yeah. yeah. be in be incredible if they manage to win a ring for the city because that uh, i think phoenix arizona hasn't had a sports title in a while in any sport mm. i think of any now yeah yeah i mean they had some good teams in the 90s with in baseball and they have a decent team in the nfl at the moment yeah. with the arizona cardinals and yeah, kyler yeah. murray you're looking for a quarterback for your uh, draft team. I think 
the Cardinals, Kyler Murray is a good one this yeah. season. Just quietly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's uh, the um, the basketball news. And just very briefly, uh, this weekend we have my New York Mets play the New York Yankees uh, three-game series. Which I'm sure the Mets will sweep because the Yankees suck this season. So <laughs> little brother gets his, gets his, which I know you like with your boys for little brother to get his. Yeah, yeah. When his time comes. When his time comes. <laughs> oh dear. Is that the universal rule? The youngest children are always the favorite. Appears to be the way. <laughs> Because I feel like all our listeners and you and I are all eldest children. Yeah. And well, Morsi's not all... eldest, yeah. yeah? Morsi's not. not. He's the baby. He's the baby, all right. He's the baby. So we've all been in the situation where we always... Uh, we were the eldest and we always uh, knew our parents favored the younger child over us. <laughs> and I had to do it... Like, I have three younger siblings so each time we got a new sibling i knew that they favored the new one yeah you know like you just got pushed further and further down that yeah that ranking no i think once you're pushed once like you become second favorite like who was the so it's really bad if you're a middle child like you know <laughs> uh, yeah. unless you're like the only girl or like the only boy or something like that yeah but yeah, that's a, the, the stuff going on in the world of sport, and yeah. we've got the Olympics to look forward to. I don't oh, yeah. know how much of it will happen, but we're gonna f- cover that. Yeah, well, and and that the New Zealand men's football team have got a they have a reasonably easy draw, if I remember yeah. correctly, uh, for their pool. Whilst the New Zealand women's team has got like the pool of death with. The USA, Australia, and Sweden, I think it was, with New Zealand. So that's just... yeah. So basically, two of the three, uh, two of the three best teams in the world. Yeah, and yeah, and poor old New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, What's the main just... one they had? Then Group B, New Zealand, Korea, Honduras, and Romania. So, yeah. a, a, a group we can get out of, which yeah, is pretty good. Yeah, it's a group we can try to get out of. The, the, like, I don't think Korea, Romania, Honduras are easy beats by no, any no. stretch, but we All can beatable. potentially... All be all teams we can beat on our day, but yeah, yeah. and we and do have it's another twenty-three tournament. Yeah, we have Chris Wood, um, is going and along. fit and fit yeah. a fit Chris Wood. Yeah, I didn't. I feel like Chris Wood, uh, a fit Chris Wood may have helped us qualify against Peru last time. At least win yeah. our game, uh, win the first game in Wellington. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know whether Winston Reed's fit and able to play. Um, the Olympics. I know that they were asked, they were looking to get him come as long as well. So if both of them were playing, that would be a fairly um fairly strong New Zealand team. Um, 
Semprit Singh is at his place of um, Bayern. He's not coming. He was going to focus on on keeping in the Bayern fir- or making the Bayern first team. That's sort of understandable, but yeah. Other than that, I think it's pretty much a a full strength um, squad as you would expect for that New Zealand um, Olympics, which would be is, is very good for us. Yeah, I mean, how good would it be if Sampreet Singh managed to even make it to the first squad of the Bayern Munich team? Yeah, yeah. Like, it would be the first time since Winton Roofer that we'd had, like, a really good player playing, like, a top team in Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. sort of understand why he's focusing on that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, like, that's just going to help New Zealand football as well, if he does well in Germany. And... I, uh, as you said, the New Zealand team have the white, uh, the New Zealand women's team have to play Australia, the United States, and Sweden. Yeah, and even there, I don't like because third place teams can qualify if they can steal a win against Australia or any of the other two teams. Or or a couple of draws. That's potentially enough to yeah, get yeah. through. No, it, it it's not impossible. Um, they say it's, it's definitely a, a tough tough ask for them. And I think they have yeah. the United States first. Um, yeah. So I think that sort of sets the tone right there. Like if they can get themselves sorted there, and and at the very least have a strong showing, I think that will give them some good confidence as well. And the New Zealand women's team is definitely one. Um, that lives on the team. So if they can get things working for them and they can feel like they have a chance, then they are good for an upset in there. Um, yeah, and, and did they? A lot of these players, I think, at the under twenty three World Cup, they were part of a part of that team that uh, got the bronze. Yeah. Oh, right? it's it's, so, it's a good New Zealand um, women's football team. Like they're. They are very good. Um, but it's I think really unfortunate they got group, picked in this group. It's basically the problem. Like, if they got picked in a, yeah, uh, anything I else. I feel like if they can make the knockouts, that's a team that can win a medal again. Because they've re- very recently won one. Yeah. And a, qu- a lot of the players from that team are playing in this team. Yeah. yeah. I say they're, they're a very solid team as well. So, um, Definitely something that could happen. So we'll have to just wait and see for them. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be an interesting uh, Olympics with Mm. no spectators. And I feel like, like, without getting too deep into it, because this is a very deep topic. Yeah. Like I feel like Japan and Tokyo are kind of getting all of the downsides of hosting an Olympics and none of the upside. Like, yeah, they're not getting all these tourists who are gonna, you know, put in money initially, and they're not getting all the spectators to give you the home advantage for the their athletes. Yeah, yeah. And they're not getting like you know the because you don't have all these media crew going out 
you know, doing like, you know, when New Zealand went to Japan and Korea during the 2002 World Cup, you know, like, even though the team wasn't there, like the All Whites hadn't qualified, we were, you know, we had people like TV crews go out to places just to interview people and talk about games and stuff and like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. showcase things and that also, you know, we we like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to go to Japan or cool to look at their trains, they're, they're on time and it's such a cool place, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not getting that advertisement, they're not getting the bonus They're not as getting well. that advertisement, they're not getting that tourism value and yeah. like, I think also the legacy value Value. like this, these games are not going to give to Tokyo what the game in games in 19 I want to say 1976 back in the six, you know where they first held yeah because yeah. that basically opened up Japan to the world and like everybody like there's things about Japanese culture that we still have in New Zealand from those games like candles and you know uh, <laughs> The things that we just brought up, like you know, the cultural impact of those games are immense. Yeah, and like you know, they built the bullet train and everything to make those games happen. And the they were supposed to get the new bullet train in time for these games, I believe, the one that's going 500 miles an hour. All right. Yeah. Um, the but yeah, the I don't know if that's been done. I don't think so yet. There, that's going to be coming out in 2023, I believe. Oh, okay. Now, but still incredible. Can you yeah. imagine 500 mile an hour bullet that's train? Cra- that's crazy. So fast. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, they're not getting any of the benefits uh, of hosting the Olympics, other than like you know the record books will say one day that the Olympics were held in Tokyo yeah, in exactly. 2020. Right. Uh, so it's uh, 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 yeah. I'll uh, I still think they should have probably held the 2024 Olympics in Tokyo and just shifted it yeah. down for everyone. But yeah, as Shradat pointed out, this is not what happens when you have boards who go to board meetings <laughs> decide things. <laughs> well, do we want to? Go to the audience. Is any Linkwest, Walsey, yeah. Nimrox, any of you want to chime any in? Any of you? I can add your speakers thoughts? if you if you want. If you want to make the request? Or any final predictions about the games coming up? Who's over in Twitch? Twitch. With another TV viewer, Command Root. Discord for streamers and Sad Girl. Thank you for listening. Well, yeah. I guess if there's nobody wanting to have a chat, that's going to be it for us. Yeah. What was the chat in general? <laughs> I'm mid Tarkov, so probably not talking. <laughs> but fair enough, Nimrods. <laughs> Thanks for listening to us anyway. Thank you, Nimrock. You're like, uh, uh, I know we t- I, uh, I put in the basketball for you. Yeah. That was all for you, Nimrock. <laughs> I got shot. <laughs> <laughs> he got shot. He enjoyed that. <laughs> you got time to talk with us now, then. Go. I enjoyed the b-ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do... Be fair, he's not quite as bad as I like sports ball. Let's score home runs on the football field. Woo, go! But yeah.
good times. Good times. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Very much enjoyed bringing it to you and uh, talk. Uh, have you all listened to us? Um, we do plan to have more live streams and really look forward to hearing your feedback of how we can improve and yeah. what we should and shouldn't look to do. I think um, uh, listeners this year will notice that we had quite a few changes or improvements, so we'll look to, to get some feedback on that, um, what people liked, what they didn't like, um, and we can um, improve on that. Yeah, man. Next season, uh, next, in about a month's time. And then yeah. next football season starts. Yeah, it almost feels like we had two football seasons in a year Yeah, with COVID year, doesn't it? Does feel a bit that way. Almost yeah. three. Yeah, we've got crazy. Euros now as well, so that's just lengthening everything out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, we'll figure out what our post-COVID new normal is. I'm sure we will eventually. Yeah, when we get to post-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stay safe, everyone. Take care and have a great weekend. And we'll catch you next time. Эй, а что у вас за туса тут вообще? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Уса? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Уса? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Уса? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Уса? Голубые жилеты, все парни одеты стильно В квартире нету места и так много красивых Давай на три Девчонки, ну что вы там в сторонке Завидные ребята, ночка будет долгой Эй, что за туса, тут туса на Виктора Усай Эй, что за туса, тут туса на Виктора Усай Эй, что за туса, тут туса на Виктора Усай Эй, что за туса, тут туса на Виктора Усай Double жилеты, все парни одеты стильно В квартире нету места, и так много красивых Эй, девчонки, ну что вы там в сторонке Завидные ребята, ночка будет долгой Ну что за стиль? Ну что за стиль или наука Не качает музло, если нам не нравишься, подруга У нас на паузу никак не тянется рука Заработал 30к, это стиль паука Эй, а что у вас за туса тут вообще? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Усай? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Усай? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Усай? Эй, что за туса тут туса на Виктора Усай?